And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. So everything he understood about how he would care for those sheep, he's saying, the Lord is doing for me. So it's good for us to understand what did he do? What did he do for them? And we've talked about that in previous weeks, that he protected them and cared for them and, and fed them and took them to water and, and all of these things that he has done for, for David. So in the Middle East, <clears throat> this was uh, the way of David, the way of his father Jesse. If you remember back to God's first blessing was to Abraham, a shepherd, his son Isaac, a shepherd, Jacob, who became Israel, a shepherd, Eventually, Moses, after he left Egypt, became a shepherd. You remember when, uh, you've probably seen the Ten Commandments and Charlton Heston. I always think Moses looked like Charlton Heston for some reason. But, you know, holding that, uh, that staff, you know, he, this, this rod, this staff that we talk about here in, is, is really a picture of the shepherd's instrument of caring and guiding for his sheep. And so David is saying, the Lord is this for me. Everything that I would do of fighting a lion, fighting a bear, guiding them to water, the still water, the green pastures, uh, de- taking them through those valleys of shadows, of, of deadly predators and things like that, the Lord's been for me. And this is, this is the illustration that he uses, and uh, it, it has great power. So he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Typically, uh, you think sheep don't have enemies, but they do. And he's aware of that. So the shepherd will, if you can just picture this, last time we were, we were in the valley of the shadow of death, remember that? Uh, that's not where we visit, it's where we live. <laughs> the mountaintops are where we visit periodically. But everyday Christian living is typically in the valley. We live in the valley. That's the name of our church, by the way, so in case you lose the context of that. Um, we live in the valley. And the valley is, uh, the valleys that he's talking about are in wilderness. And there are enemies, and there are predators. There are dangers. There is darkness. There is the fear of the unknown. And David says, when, when I go through these valleys of the shadow of death, I have no fear. Because you're with me. You're with me. That's it. That's it. That one statement, you are with me. You are with me. And I had said before this, we were talking about the Lord in the third person. He, he switches it halfway through the psalm to the first person. You are with me. You are with me. So we have, we have been walking with David through the valley of the shadow of death. We fear no evil because he's with us. But when we get through the valley, and, and in a moment I'll, I'll show you how this uh, comes about with David. He comes up to the table. And uh, anybody know the Spanish word for table? Mesa. It's also what I found, uh, the word in Swahili. Now, however that ever got to East Africa... But they, the Swahili language, they call it Mesa. So for, for the shepherd, he takes the sheep through the valleys. And in the summertime, when the grass is lush and green, he takes 
the sheep up to the flat. It's not the mountaintop, <laughs> but it is, it is a table, and he prepares that table. The shepherd prepares it by checking for poisonous weeds or plants that the, the sheep, because they're not going to know they're just going to go eat. They're gonna, the, the little lambs are going to be running around and playing. They're on flat ground. They've got plenty to eat. So he, has to, he prepares this. He prepares it by guiding them to where the best grass is and then, and then moving them from location to location so they don't eat down the grass all the way down to the dirt. He takes them to the water. He checks the perimeters for the predators because not only does the shepherd know he's taking the sheep to the mesa, all the predators know that too. So that's why he says that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. The dangers are always there, but the difference is the Lord is with me. And the presence of that shepherd uh, uh, in this place uh, may, makes all the difference. But this is, this is where they rest. They, there's no better place than being on the table, on the mesa, up, up high and to be able to see and to be able to, to look around. You don't have the shadows and of, of going through the valley. And there is rest and joy and peace and lots of food for the sheep and plenty of fresh water. Now, this isn't the whole day in, the, uh, in, in our lives. This, you know, we don't live on the mesa either. But the Mesa experiences, the Oasis experiences, the table experiences in your life are necessary to carry you through. God provides tables for us to minister to our needs. So all of these things uh, are done by this shepherd to provide a pleasant place along the journey through the valleys to the Mesa, through more valleys to the Mesa. Now, so that's a little background on the experience of the sheep. The table is the mesa. And these are periodic, and they are they're a great experience for the sheep. Now I'd like for us to consider where is David when he's writing this? We talked about this earlier, that as best as I can tell, he's not, as a boy, he's not, you know, a... 17-year-old boy sitting under a tree, watching the sheep, strumming his uh, harp, and, and making up this song. He's older. He's already slayed Goliath. He's already been king. His kids are grown. And his son, Absalom, has won the hearts of Israel, turned against him, run him out of the city, and he is fleeing for his life. And if you read through the story of Absalom, Absalom has been, it's a high-handed, just vicious, unkind, ruthless act that his son, who he loves, and you can see all the way through how this is breaking his heart. David writes this Psalm 23 probably at the lowest point of his life. He's lost his home. He's lost his kingdom. He's losing his people. He's sending the, the Ark of the Covenant, which is representative of God's presence, back. And he is running for his life. And it says he is barefoot, he's got his head covered, and he is weeping as he goes. He leaves the city gate, goes down the valley of Kidron, and we follow the path. And I think this is, this is so significant in this part of the table. 
because if you follow the story, and and this is you know this is the first time I've, I've ever seen this. Um, all the years I've been reading through Psalm twenty three, I've never seen this before. But I went back to Second Samuel seventeen, and it and it's, it tells the story of of what's taking place. So if you can picture this with me in your mind, that. He leaves the city and he goes through, he goes out the gate and down through a valley and across the brook. And the valley is called Kidron, the Kidron Valley. It is the exact same valley that Jesus, we'll talk about this table, walks through when he goes to Gethsemane. Exact same valley. He goes, he goes out the gate, down to the Kidron Valley, and then he goes up to the Mount of Olives, and then he heads east. And the, the road east, uh, Jerusalem is probably 3,000 feet above the, uh, the Jordan River. And so he is going to travel down to the Jordan River and cross the Jordan River. So you can imagine this. He leaves Jerusalem. He's traveling down, 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 down to the Jordan River. And, and it, is, it is a very dangerous path. Remember the story of the uh, Good Samaritan, how, how the, 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 uh, the person was beaten and uh, left for dead, and, and, but it was along that same path because it was, it, was, it was one of those you're just always looking around. So this is a very good picture of the valley of the shadow of death. So you're traveling almost 20 miles to, to get, I mean, as the crow flies, it would be quicker, but it, all the way down to the Jordan, Jordan, he waits there, he gets advice, and that's another part of the story, how the Lord protects him. He crosses over the Jordan River and heads north, and this is where we find him in verse 24 of 2 Samuel 17, and David arrived at Mahanam. Now, probably none of us have ever heard of Mahanam. What is Mahanam? Well, if you look on the map during that time, there's a little dot on the map, <laughs> And this is where he went. So he goes down to the Jordan, across the Jordan. He goes north up to this, this place. And Absalom is now after him. And Absalom is, is, is with all the army at, uh, at a place where he can attack. And then in verse 26, it says, And Israel and Absalom camped in the land of Gilead when David came to Mahanam. Then it says... And these, these are just names, I, I realize this, but Shobi, son of Nahash, and then Maker, son of Amiel, and then Barzali, the Gileadite of Rogame, Rogalim. These three kings come to David. Now, when we talk about he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, these three kings, all other kings are his enemy. <laughs> Okay, so, and David has conquered everyone. But typically these would be, you keep it at arm's distance, even though they, you, you may now have peace with them. These three kings come. And it says they brought beds, basins, pottery, items. They also brought wheat, barley, flour, roasted grain, beans and lentils, honey, curds, Sheep, goats, and cheese from the herd for David, uh, from their herds for David and the people. 
with him to eat. And they reasoned this, the people must be hungry, exhausted, and thirsty in the wilderness. God prepared a table for David in Mahanam. He has three enemy kings that do it for him. He has Absalom who's ready to snuff out his life. And in the midst of all of this wilderness and pain and suffering and heartache, the Lord is there. He says, you prepare a table for me. In other words, he says, you come, come and sit down. I'm sorry. You, you come and sit down. I want you to sit here at this table. Come and sit down with me. And this is exactly the way Jesus was responding to his disciples when he invited them up into the upper room. I want you to sit down. And, and here's where we find refreshment and encouragement and help and support and interaction and communion. It's not eating on the go. It's not going through the fast food. It's not just putting a burger in your mouth. The Lord is satisfying and supplying for his sheep, David, every need he has. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. God knows what you need. And these, these kings thought, they said, well, we're, uh, we're pretty sure they're exhausted. They're tired. Isn't that true? They left with nothing. He's in his bare feet. He's king. And they supply this need. I think what an amazing story of how this takes place in David's flight. And using those enemies, even in the presence of them, and Absalom threatening him, we can sit down at the table. Now, remember we talked about sheep. They won't eat. Uh, they won't eat or they won't lie down if there's distress. <laughs> and we're the same way too. I find this. You ever pace in your house? Any of you ever pace, just kind of pace, just kind of walking around? And sometimes, and I'll, I'll because I'll be thinking about things. And I'll think, I just need to sit down and rest. If I'm by myself, I can tend to do that more often. But if a friend comes, we'll sit down. And um, we'll have a cup of coffee. Have something to eat. There's, there's fellowship in this. Now, this is the context, okay? David, a shepherd, as a boy, talking about sheep, how the Lord is my shepherd, meeting all my needs, prepares a table, as I understand, I took my sheep to the mesa. Now the Lord has provided a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's what he's talking about. I believe that. I think this is exactly what he's talking about. So fast forward a thousand years to this table. We read about this table in John, the Gospel of John 13 to 15. And it's just an amazing, an amazing story of how he prepares this table. He says, I want you to go and get this room prepared, prepare for a meal, all the same way. And you say, well, what relationship does the Lord is my shepherd have <laughs> with Jesus in the upper room? As we, we said, Psalm 22, 23, 24, or what we call messianic psalms, Jesus is the principal character that the same word, Jehovah, is the, is the same word that Jesus uses in John 10 when he says, I am the good shepherd, 
And the I am is tying him to the statement made by God to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Now, I know that's a lot to, to, to process, but Jesus is saying, I am God. I am God. And I am the good shepherd. So when David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, the name is the same as the coming Messiah. And if you think, well, no, they didn't know all that. They didn't know all that. They couldn't know all that a thousand years before Christ came. Well, you just read those three Psalms and tell me if it's not just like, wow. Now, I don't think David understood everything he was writing and saying because I think that was under the inspiration of God's Spirit. But you can see that this was prophesied all along. So now this, this table that he's gathered, gathering his followers to. And uh, it's a very interesting place. The, the meal is prepared. He is a good shepherd. He meets with them. Who is seated at the table? Do you remember some of the names? Well, Peter was there. Remember what Peter was saying? Lord, I'll never deny you. <laughs> remember that? Thomas was there. Later would say, I, I, unless I see it, I'm not going to believe it. And Judas was there. And it's interesting, I don't think they were all getting this, but he said, the same one who is dipping, it's like I'm dipping the bread, and they, they would have, they usually have bread, it was a table, they're all reclined, probably on their elbows around this table. And there's bread and wine, and they would dip the bread into some sort of, it would be like we would do it, uh, some olive oil or some seasoning, and they'd eat that. He said, the same one that's dipping this with me will betray me. And so he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Not only Judas at the table, all around him, the Jews were trying to destroy him. And so he knows this. He gets up from this. And um, he says, I'm no longer going to call you, I'm no longer calling you, or I won't call you servants. I'm going to call you, remember what it was? What's, what's he going to call them? His friends. His friends. Wow. So I'm not going to call you because typically the rabbi, Jesus rabbi, would be speaking down. But he, but he said, I'm not, I'm not going to call you slave servants. You're my friends. He gets up. He said, we must be going. He heads out the upper room, down the stairs, out the gate, down the Kidron Valley. Across the brook Kidron into the Garden of Gethsemane with these groups, people. But this table was a table of remembrance, a, ta a table where he fellowshiped with them and gave to them what they needed. I think here's what happens at the table. And Jesus, Jesus spent as, a, as their rabbi for the three, the three years that they were traveling with him. They're eating together all the time. 
And this is usually where ministry is happening, encouragement and help and rebuke and support and, and assistance and talking and sharing. His friends. I was listening to Tim Keller on a message this last week, and he said, uh, good definition of a friend is someone who will always let you in and never let you down. A friend is someone who will always let you in and never let you down. Well, the only perfect friend would be Jesus. <laughs> but he lets us in. He lets us, he lets us into what's going on. He lets us into his life. He, he brings us in. He doesn't shut us out. But a friend is someone who always lets you in and will never let you down. So this is, this is what he's doing. So at this table, he said, this, this cup, and they've been drinking wine, and they've been eating bread. We know that because those are the two elements that we talk about. They may have had other things. They're dipping the bread. They're, they're drinking the wine. They're... And he said, I want you to look at this bread. And he had told them already in John 6, he said, I am the bread of life. In other words, I am your substance. I, I, am, I am your supply. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. In other words, he was saying that his body... It's not literally that bread because he's, he's holding it. That's obvious, you can see, but he's saying this is symbolic, it's representative. This, my body's going to be broken for you, for you. And he said, he took the wine after that, he said, this cup is representative of my blood. My blood's going to be shed for you. But he said, when you, when you sit at this table, remember that. Remember that. This is what I've done for you. So, the, the bread and the blood, it's not just that Jesus gives us physical nourishment. It is a spiritual reminder that he will meet every single need that we have at the table and come to the table to find the reminder, the encouragement, the help, and the support. So, move from there. And typically lately I've been going from Genesis to Revelation, so we've got to get, get there. But the next book is the book of Acts. After, after we go through the gospel accounts, Acts. And, and here's what we find in Acts chapter 2. The, the pattern that uh, is taking place. Well, in fact, in fact, on the other page, let me just kind of mention this because I think it's significant. You have one page here of Acts in the last chapter of John, which is 21. And there's a story in John 21 about when Jesus appears after his resurrection to the disciples. They're out there in the boat fishing, not catching anything all night. And Jesus, he, he uses this word. Uh, and, it's, and it's hard to translate, but, but the best word for it is friends. Friends. He calls out Friends. <laughs> Do you have any fish? No, Lord, we haven't caught anything. Cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And they did that and brought in more fish fish than they could handle. Started breaking the nets. And they realized, because it took them back to the time he did that before. And it was a miraculous thing. And so Peter comes out of the boat. They all come in and he says, and he, and he says to them, and he's seated by the fire. He says, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. 
This is the setting that Jesus reaffirms Peter. You're forgiven for denying me. It's all right. Feed my sheep. And he says this three times. He asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And after each time, he says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my precious ones. In other words, I want you, Peter, to do the work of a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David was a shepherd. (laughs) I want you to do the work of a shepherd. You're my friends. And so what did they have? They had fish. In fact, when they got there with all their fish, he already had fish. Sometimes I wonder how he did that. You know, how did he make that happen? So they sit down again. I want you to see this setting. That almost all of Jesus' significant ministry with his disciples was done at a table type setting. We're sitting here. We're talking. It wasn't him preaching. I mean, he preached. He preached to 5,000. He preached to 4,000. He did preaching. But the health of the believer is found in the context of the table. And we need the table. <clears throat> they needed the table. It's where they asked questions. It's where they talked to him. It's where they made their complaints. <laughs> it's where he encouraged them. It's where he reminded them. It's where they ate and drank and got physical strength. So, now, after that experience, Jesus ascends up into heaven and they're left. So, what is going to be the habit of the church? What is going to be the habit of the church? And this is what we find in Acts chapter 2. In the last two verses of of chapter 2, it says, Every day... They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. They made this habit. It's not just going to the temple and having a meeting It's not just going to the synagogue and having a a group teaching time. It is every day, house to house, they're sitting at tables and they're eating and drinking together. This This is the pattern of the church. What takes place at these tables? Because all these believers now in Jerusalem are being persecuted. They're going through difficult times. It's like us. You know, when we go from Sunday to Sunday, all week long, we're walking through the valleys of the shadow of death. We're in the wilderness We come to the table on Sunday, the mesa, the fellowship, to encourage each other, to help each other, to support each other, to care for one another, to remind each other, all the way until the last time we meet for this is in Revelation 19, verses 8 and 9. I told you I'd get to Revelation. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Have you heard of that? You read about it. It's when we're in heaven. It's when when there's no more in the presence of our enemies because our enemies are gone. They're vanquished. But now we just enjoy the fellowship. There's another verse in Revelation 3 and verse 20. It says, this may sound familiar to you too. He says, behold, look, see. I stand at the door and knock. If any man, any person, will open the door, I will come in to him 
and I'll eat with him. In other words, some of the better translations say, I will sit down and have dinner with him. Most of us use that verse about accepting Jesus into your heart. We say, you know, the Lord's knocking at the door of your heart, and if you open up your heart and invite Jesus to come in, to come in and save you. And I believe that. I believe that. I believe that we receive Christ by faith. But there's more. (laughs) There's more. It's just not come in the door, stand over here. Come in the door. Sit down at the table. Let's, let's talk. Let's have fellowship. This, this is the invitation to you. I've got to get to the end of this. <laughs> so here's my challenge. Here's my challenge. In a, in a world, in a society, in a culture in America, where our homes are divided and 40% of our, 46% of our people are eating, eating alone. I don't know if that's accurate, but I'd say most of us see the trend, don't we? Families are split, split apart. We don't sit down. We don't talk. We don't have time for it. So here's my challenge. Four tables. Your table with the Lord every day. You need to sit down, sit down, stop, sit down, slow down, and sit down at the table with the Lord. Jesus, your shepherd. And listen to what he has to say to you every day. And you need to talk to him about what's going on in your life. And spend time with him every day. Every day at his table. Secondly, your family. Whatever that looks like for you. Building relationships is key. Stop what you're doing, sit down, put away the devices, and talk. And encourage and help and support. With other Christians, go get coffee, invite them over to your home. Don't be so proud and worried about how the house looks. Spending time at a table with other believers is necessary for us to have good health. A good, strong church body. Because during the week, during all the valleys, we need periodic mesas. We need periodic tables. Stop what I'm doing. Gather with guys. Gather with girls. Talk. And then finally, the table with unbelievers. That's what Jesus did. He used to drive the Pharisees nuts because Jesus would be off with some of these, these Pharisees or these pagan sinners or uh, these unbelievers. What are you doing? He'd be having a meal with them. <laughs> He's a true friend. Always let them in. Never let them down. And I don't know where this hits you in your life, but I've, I can, for, for me personally, it has been, you know, number one, my relationship with the Lord. But my other relationships in life is, you know, I need to slow down, stop, sit down, and take the time at the table to benefit from what God has prepared for me to enjoy. And the more we walk through valleys, the more ref- refreshing those tables are going to be every day. Father, we pray your blessing on your word. Thank you for your scripture. And I pray that as much as you've even spoken to me about this in my own life, to slow down, to sit down at a table, to enjoy good food, good drink, and good fellowship with friends, to encourage one another, 
Lord, I pray would be the habit of our lives. And you'd help us not to follow the path of modern culture that increasingly becomes disconnected. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.